Welcome to the Coaching for Leaders podcast. Hey everyone, I'm your host Dave Shep. Today we're going to be covering a range of topics on leadership, life purpose, goals, and what you're doing in your life to be happy. I'm a business coach, life coach, and I got a bit of woo-woo in me. I've been creating leaders for over 25 years, and I hope that this show inspires you to bring out your hidden potential and empowers you to live your passion. Let's go ahead and start today's show. And welcome, everybody. We are now at episode nine. Wow, this is awesome. Tonight is really kind of cool for me because instead of me sitting here talking in a room for an hour by myself sounding stupid, I actually have my first host. So I am so excited. David, welcome. (laughs) Hello. You do not sound stupid. I have listened to your podcast. And I have seen the reviews people are leaving you. (laughs) Thank you, everyone. I would like to welcome uh, David Mort to my show tonight. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited to have him here. David is an executive consultant and lean project manager. Uh, He's an actor. He's a director. Um, he is a puppet maker, which I find amazing. He, he has a great show that maybe he'll talk to us about. And tonight we're going to be talking about communication and uh, specifically how to identify and match to someone's communication style. Because a lot of people communicate a certain way and they understand things a certain way. And the power that you will have in a conversation when you can actually identify that and match that communication style as a leader is something that is very, very uh, instrumental in the way that you run your team and in the way that you build relationships and the way that you get clients. So it's, it's just something that you know, even with your own family. So this is something that is pretty amazing. So, David, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I am a fan of you, Dave, on a bunch of levels. So I'm, I'm excited <laughs> to be here. That's yeah. Awesome. Um, thanks for having me. So, um, I mean, I can give you a little bit kind of about, about my background, if that would be helpful and kind of maybe either convincing your audience that I know what I'm talking about or, <laughs> or convincing them. I have no idea what I'm talking about. There we go. Uh, yeah. I've, you know, you, you give my list of credits there. It's sort of a weird mishmash of things. And that's sort of, I'd say what my life has been is a weird mishmash of things. Um, I started off as a, as a, uh, an actor, uh, and a, a performer, um, for the first several years of my, my professional life. Um, and communication was something I think as an actor was, was very important. I studied a, a methodology of acting called Meisner. It's called the Meisner technique. Uh, and it is all about, uh, reacting to the person across from you. Uh, so the idea with that is that, uh, it's not my job as an actor to do anything other than to respond. And, and uh, they call it pinching an ouch. You know, I pinch you, you say, ouch, it's a reaction. And, uh-huh. and then, yeah. And in a lot of ways, that's what communication is. And so I spent the first, um, you know, I'd say 10 years of my life intently studying communication and, and how, how it impacts a, a conversation. Um, and then, you know, I think like a lot of people, I, I got a grown up job. Uh, and um, started working, uh, doing doing project management and sort of uh, coaching and training people, which is really what I, I love. I love I love helping another person become what it is that they are they are desiring to be. I think mm-hmm. you know, probably you and I share a very similar passion. Oh, oh yeah, helping helping someone find their life purpose and seeing that smile when they start talking about their passion, uh, and then being able to facilitate them being able to live that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you and I are a lot alike in that regard. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, that, that's kind of what has led to, to my current kind of uh, career. Um, and 
as I as I was starting off sort of in this project manager role in in a leader of folks uh, at a supervisor level, uh, I was introduced to a, a methodology of business management called Lean, um, L-E-A-N. Um, you know what that is for your from your audience mm-hmm. that may not know what that is. Uh, it is was founded by um, Teache Ono and Shige Shingo, uh, and sort of the grandfather of uh, Deming. But it's it was developed by Toyota. And it's the idea that uh, we should always be trying to strive for excellence and uh, find respect for people. Mm-hmm. Those are kind of the two pillars. It's, it, it's a very complicated business model, and there's a lot of pieces involved in it. But at its core, it is, it is about continuous improvement and respect for people. And the respect for people piece was something I, I'm very passionate about. Uh, it, when when you work in lean, a lot of times uh, it's people going, how do I get that bottom line better? How do I do my improvements? Whereas this other piece that doesn't get looked at as much as the respect piece. And to me, that's how I communicate, how we relate to one another, how we connect. And so uh, from there, I got the great opportunity to go work with a gentleman named Dr. Eric Allenball uh, up in Portland, Oregon. Uh, and he is a, um, he is a masterful um, business consultant. He just is a, an amazing man. And he developed something called uh, the Allen Ball Technique. And it's based on Jungian theory and uh, how we communicate with one another, how we coach and train people. And so that's sort of where my my real area of interest and, um, and, and energies lie. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So what, what has been your... What, what has been your biggest takeaway from applying this uh, in your career? So actually, I, I, I think I have a story and uh, it, is, it is kind of the perfect example of uh, where this idea of sort of, Dr. Allen Ball works on the idea, kind of what you, you call mirroring, mirroring or matching and pacing, right? It's, it's understanding the rhythm of the individual and how they move through, through a conversation. Um, so I was, I was a project manager for a medium-sized organization, and I, I happened to be managing a project for the vice president of operations, uh, and pretty high high up in the organization. And um, uh, he and I didn't get along very well. So we would meet weekly. Uh, I would go in with a lot of data and a lot of numbers and a lot of pleasantries, and uh, he just didn't seem interested in what I had to say and kind of tuned me out. And it was really frustrating the first few weeks that I was doing this project. You know, every Monday I would walk out of that out of his office, really frustrated, really angry, uh, disappointed in in feeling like I was failing at my job um, because I wasn't communicating what was important to him. And it was just so, it just so happened that that was the point when I was getting ready to go work with Dr. Allen Ball. And so I went and um, I, I I trained with him for a couple of weeks and came back with a better understanding of who I was as a person, and I think maybe a better understanding of who this vice president was. His name was Dave, and he was from uh, Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia. There's nothing but problems when you're dealing with a Dave. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, um, you know, this is kind of the normal routine. When I would walk into his office Monday morning. I would say, good morning, Dave. How are you? And he would say, I'm fine. And I would say, how was your weekend? And he would say, Okay. And then I would spend five or 10 minutes kind of dissecting my weekend and asking him questions about his. And then I would proceed to give him uh, a five-page report where I would go into great detail about uh, all the information I had collected on this project from the week before. And it never went well. 
And so um, in, in working with Dr. Allen Ball, that, that two week period, I kind of had this realization that there were two things about me. I like people. I like to connect with them on a personal level. Uh, and, and for me, part of how I feel comfortable in a relationship is having that friendly connection. Uh, and I'm also kind of a weirdo because I really like data. I love facts. I have a lot of it. You give me more data, the more happy I am. Um, in working with Dr. Allen Ball, I realized that, that Dave did not like uh, to have a remote, an emotional connection with individuals, and he liked bullet points. And so the, the first week I got back uh, from my, my training, I decided I was going to go do my report to Dave, and I was going to test to see if what Dr. Allen Ball had, had taught me was truthful. So I walked into his office Monday morning. Uh, I had a sheet of paper, and it literally had uh, three bullet points and two possible options that I saw as how to move forward. I sat down at his, his desk and uh, I could see the excitement and energy drain out of his face as I sat down. <laughs> he had had a two week reprieve from me. Um, and I said, uh, good morning, Dave, how are you? And he said, well, I'm fine. I said, good. I said, well, I know you're very busy and um, uh, I wanted to just real quickly kind of give you an update on where we are and some options that I think are, are the next steps. And I, and I stopped, I slid the piece of paper across the desk and, I, and uh, he picked it up, he looked through it for a few moments and um, he said, well, well, I like option B. And I said, great, you want me to work on that? And he said, yeah. And, uh, and I took my piece of paper and for the first time in probably two and a half months, I had a clear answer from him on something and a clear directive to follow through on. Um, and that then became sort of my norm in terms of my conversations with him. Uh, fast forward about six weeks, we had, I had the opportunity, the, the chief operating officer and president of the organization was interested enough in the work I was doing with Dr. Allen Ball uh, to sign on to have me teach their executive team and, and their staff uh, the Allen Ball technique because they were seeing the results I was having and they felt if they could get that across the company, that would be great. Wow. Um, yeah. So I, you know, I show up and, uh, there's, there's my buddy Dave in, in the front row of this class and we go through the, the training and, and then the next week he and I get together for our meeting and I go in with my normal one sheet of paper and my list of directives. And I sit down and I say, good morning, Dave. Dave smiled at me, which maybe was the first time I had seen a smile in my entire time. I'd know the man. And, and he said, how was your weekend? <laughs> <laughs> And I love this story because it, it illustrates everything so perfectly. Mm -hmm. uh, and what it does really well, too, is it, it makes me look like the idiot and not Dave. Because <laughs> yeah. Dave was a smart man, um, but he was not interested in, um, in lots of data and lots of facts. For him, what he needed to know was what were the important pieces of information and what were our solutions moving forward. And, um, and I, I was not doing that. And the minute that I keyed into that, the minute that I understood what he needed from me was the minute I was able to change my relationship with him and have a, a, have a good relationship. Uh, in, in that time that he and I built trust, and then when I got, uh, got the opportunity to teach him about the Allen Ball technique and kind of how we match and pace with each other, he then realized that, that, that I was different than him and that he needed to exert some energy in this process and, and involve the conversation of how does he help make me feel comfortable? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's maybe one of the most powerful kind of examples of 
how when you stop focusing on yourself and you focus on the person across from you and you make an effort to, to see where they're coming from in, uh, in, a, in any, any situation, conversation, confrontation, any of those things, um, there's a connection that gets made and you are capable of, of moving mountains, I truly believe. Yeah, I, I, I would 100% agree with that because when I worked with my, t- my teammates in the past, I remember I had a, uh, gosh, I remember I had a manager who worked for me who he didn't want to, he didn't have any of the emotional stuff that other people had. He just simply wanted to be told what to do and then he wanted to run and do it. That was the thing. Then I had another one that you could not start a conversation without saying, "How, hello, how was your weekend? How are you doing? Just those three simple things. That's all I wanted. Then I had another one who she walked in and she just wanted to hug, talk about her weekend, talk about her kids, talk about her pets, do the 10 minutes of, of how are you touchy feely stuff. And then, then get, then get the work. Yeah. Um, so, so having all those different styles. And when, when I learned this, this method, and I didn't learn it the way that you did. Um, I learned it a different way. But when I learned to identify how people communicate and then how to best communicate with them, it changed my life as a leader. Yeah. You, you know, because I, I walk in and I was trying to, you know, especially when I was a new manager and a new leader, I was trying to manage everybody the same way. You simply cannot do that. Yeah. And, and the, mo- the most successful leaders out there are the ones that realize that you have to communicate to everybody differently and that you have to take the time to communicate in their style if you want to be an effective leader. It's, it's not always about you, what you want. If you have no emotion and you have no, you know, no feeling of this, that's fine. However, if you're communicating to someone who has a very needs-oriented communication style and who wants to talk about their pet first and then talk about work or their children first and then talk about work, if you don't adapt to that style, they're not going to be happy and they're not going to flourish and yeah. their creativity is going to be burdened. Yeah. So, so, so I love this fix. What do you do when you're working with someone, when you're coaching them? How do you, how do you teach them this? Like, like in, in a session or something like that, what do you do? Sure. Well, there's a couple of things. So, um, you know, we kind of look through, uh, young, Jungian theory suggests that there are these four archetypes of personalities, uh, and, and depending on kind of how you, how you view it, it's either, um, you, you have a strong preference in one, but all four of them are represented in your personality or you just, hey, there is one you really identify with and that's you. And those, those archetypes are kind of either a, um, a driving, forceful type of personality, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, a, um, a very data-driven personality, um, a people person, you know, so I like people, I like being around people. And then there are people pleasers, you know, the people who really need your support and they, they want to become your, you know, the bedrock of your organization that everything is built on top of it. And so, you know, the first things we kind of do is we look at, um, we look at them and their personalities and try to understand who are you in this realm and where is your mix. And, and luckily with, with Dr. Alan Ball, there was a personality test that was developed, uh, that, that we can use, uh, that makes it easier, um, and then, you know, from there, we start looking at their leadership team and their, their people they manage and where those people fall in that category. And then really it's about trying to tailor a, a, a style for each of their, their direct reports that is effective. You know, I think uh, a lot of times people who move into those higher, higher roles, the executive roles, um, tend to be very driving. Um, and that is a that is a low emotional IQ 
position, you know, mm-hmm. for people who are very driving. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but I mean that they've gotten to where they are because they've been very focused and very driven. Right. Um, and so, you know, the, the argument that I get a lot of times is, well, I don't have time to mess around with, <laughs> you know, talking about their dog for 10 minutes. Right. <laughs> but the argument that I give them is, I mean, two things. Number one, um, if you if you spend the five minutes now asking them how their weekend was and making them feel comfortable, uh, then down the road, you're not going to have to train their replacement because they finally gotten burned out of your nonsense and leave you. Mm-hmm. Um, and number two, number two, the other piece of it, and, and I, I think there's a couple different ways you can look at it. I, I being the INF, uh, INFJ uh, personality, like to think of it as if I, if I am able to make you understand where I'm coming from and you can understand my mission, vision, and values, you will follow me to the ends of the earth if I make it important to you. Um, and that's the other thing I'll tell them is that, you know, if, if your people feel that you care about them and you want to communicate with them on a level that they feel good with, they will follow you to the ends of the earth. Um, and so it's, it's just productivity. And the other nice thing about it too, is if you set the tempo and the pace of that conversation early on, you also can then control how long that goes on, you know? Mm-hmm. So I have, I'm pretty personable, but, but there are people I work with that are more so than me. Mm-hmm. And so early on in those conversations, I, I take control of that kind of how was your weekend? How was your kids? How are your pets? Because then I can allow that to go on as long as I feel like it's productive. And then if it starts to move out of that time frame, then I can reel it back into a business uh, related topic. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's really about understanding them first and then helping them understand the people in their sphere um, and, then, and then developing strategies to communicate with them. Yeah, and, and it, it's crazy of how incredible this works. One thing with with me when I when I use it when I was when I was leading a team, is for me it was always my best training tool. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is when I had a new hire come in and I needed them to train with somebody, I identified what their personality type was, mm-hmm. and I matched them with that kind of trainer. Yeah, because because if I if I if I put a people pleaser with a driver. Oh, yeah. it was horrible. Oh yeah. oh yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, you know, but if I had, but but if I had a good people pleaser, and then I hired a people pleaser, and I put them together, it took a while, but they got they got everything they got everything done. Right. Yeah. And then, and then when I had two drivers together, when I put a driver trainee with a dry, driving manager, mm-hmm. holy crap! You know, like, I could just take the weekend off because everything's yep. be perfect because it's so amazing. Um, and the funny part about this is my own relationship. I've been married for thirty-one years now, and. I am a, uh, a people person uh, slash driver. I've got kind of like a 50-50 going on in both because there, there are just certain times where I just like cut the bullshit and I just go get the shit done. Or yeah. I, I want to just make sure everybody's happy and, and the thing. So I'm kind of a mix in that too there. Mm-hmm. Um, but Pete uh, is an analytical. He, he's definitely the analytic. Yeah. So us going to buy a car together is one of the worst things ever because i'm like oh look it's cute it's red i want it you know and 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 he's like well no let's get the consumer reports out we need to check reviews we need to check this we check safety ratings and i'm like yeah what it's red it's great you know (laughs) you know i really want it it's red you know and in our beginning of our relationship this was a big deal you know i'd walk in i'd walk into I i remember we walked into the apartment and I said, I want it. We're going to rent it. And it's the first place. He's like, this is the first place we looked. We're not going to buy the first place we looked. Um, and then our second apartment, 
He says, we're not getting the first thing. I'm like, okay, okay. We go and look. I fall in love. I'm like, I want this. And he's like, are you freaking kidding me? Um, you know, so, yeah. so it, it has presented some, some amazing problems. Uh, and then the, the funny thing is, is as, as you get into your marriage and you're getting stronger and you're getting together and all, you learn how to communicate. So I would do some data research and say, okay, well, I would like to, I would like to live in this neighborhood because, yeah. you know, and I'll present stuff, you know, the yeah. crime rate is down. This is, and and then this, and then do that, and then he's like, he's suddenly listening with all ears. Yeah, you, you know, and, yeah. and it's crazy. And if I ever pull a map up of of like this is the area. <laughs> I, I, I totally win the conversation because I pulled the map up. So when you can identify this in your yeah. relationship, uh, imagine what you can do in the workplace. Oh, if, yeah. you, if you identify this with your team, if you identify and you speak their language when you're trying to get them on board with, with a new project or, yeah. or a new system or anything you have going on, if you speak their language as you present it, it, it makes things so much easier easier and they have buy-in and, and they help you. So teaching this and especially teaching the emotional intelligence that goes along with it to be able to say, hey, you're going to have a high EQ and I'm going to teach you how to communicate a certain way. You can literally become a CEO of an organization that way. Oh, yeah. Um, you, you know, and, and it's very powerful. Um, so so I, I absolutely love this stuff. And, and that's like when I heard that this is what you, you know, when, when we, you and I were talking about on the show and we talked yeah. about this, I was like so excited because this is like just something that I absolutely love, and they they always say don't apply stuff that you uh, you learn at work at home because it can ruin your relationship. Yeah. But this has really helped it. The one thing that really hurt me is I got trained once with Wicklander, which is the Wick, Wicklander Zakowski, because uh, yeah. I was I was a loss prevention uh, director for a while. Okay, and, and so you know you learn to look for tells for lying, you know, yeah. and, and you're looking for certain little things. So when you put that with my emotional touch, my communication style, and then I come home and I'm and Pete's like, "Did you take out the trash?" Yeah. No, you didn't. No, you, you, didn't. Touched, you touched your nose. I saw that. That's a tell. Yeah. So there are yeah. some there are some things you just don't want to bring home with you that that you're learning. Loss prevention is definitely one of them. <laughs> you're a dirty liar. You didn't like my dinner. Exactly. Yeah. So, so stuff like that. But this kind of stuff is amazing. Um, you know, it's, it's so funny. You kind of talk about that. Um, <laughs> I, Cause I'm the same way. Like I, I you always say this, well, the, don't treat your family like your business. My, mm -hmm. my wife at, at different points in our relationship have, has uttered that I'm not your employee. <laughs> and um, don't manage and, me. <laughs> right. Exactly. And I, it's a hundred percent right. But I do think, you know, I would, um, I would argue that had I not gone and, and done the training I had done and sort of, for myself, take a look at who I am as a person and, and what is important to me and what I value. Um, I don't know that I would still be married today um, because, um, you know, there's, there, there's a, a saying that often kind of runs around in my brain. Uh, and I am a little bit of that analytical type, but you know, there's the piece of my brain that goes, do you want to be right? Or do you want to be married? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, and and uh, and it's the same thing in business too. Right? Like, like right. there's a point where it's like it doesn't. What what my personal feelings are or my personal views are doesn't matter at this moment because what I really ultimately want is to have a good relationship with this person. I want to be I want to be functional in whatever type of relationship we have, and I want us both to be happy. And because if we're both happy, we're both productive in whatever it is. In my relationship with my wife, I want to have a happy relationship with my wife because I I, I absolutely adore her and I love spending time with her and I love her as a person um, and I want our relationship to work. So there's, you know, there's, there is that sort of, how do I match and pace and communicate with her? 
what are my ultimate objectives when I go into a conversation with her? And then the other piece that I think is so important in that kind of same vein, and this is an amazing piece for any kind of conversation, uh, is the phrase, why would a rational, a rational, reasonable human being be doing what they are doing right now? Um, because, right, we tell our stories. And when I get into an argument with my wife about something, or I get into an argument with a coworker about something, um, I am going to inflate the truth, my truth, to this mm -hmm. astronomical proportion where suddenly the person I'm upset with is the arch-villain of all my life. <laughs> yeah. But if I just take a second and I say, why would a rational, reasonable human being be behaving the way they are or doing what they're doing now? Uh, it puts me out of that sort of reptilian brain back into the deeper thought, my brain. And then I can kind of go, okay, well, there's X, Y, and Z, and maybe that's why. And it, if there's a problem, it doesn't mean I don't address it with them, but it, but it means that I can, I can get out of my angry spot and I can have a conversation with this person using the techniques that we're talking about yep. in a way that allows us to move forward in that conversation. So I 100% agree. You know, I think uh, I 100% I believe that I would not be married uh, today had I not gone and worked with Dr. Allen Ball and it would have been my own stupid fault for not being there. <laughs> Right. Today. Yeah. No, no, I, I completely agree because it, it's such a, a valuable tool. And a lot of people don't understand it. I mean, a lot of people are so ego driven nowadays, and especially at work. Um, and, you know, and, and it, it's crazy because they just don't understand that they need to be able to communicate in order to be a, to be effective. But to, to also treat people with respect. Yeah. You, you know, I mean, I to be able to disagree with someone and still respect them is is completely lost art nowadays in, in, in a lot of ways. And I have a lot of people in my life that I completely disagree with things that they do, how they raise their children, you know, you know how they treat their wife, how, how they work, their work ethic, all these things. But it doesn't diminish the fact of who I care about and that they're my yeah. friends or that they're my family. Uh, they, they're just different than I am and they're unique and I respect that. So what advice do you have um, in a entrepreneur setting for someone who is or solopreneur especially, but they're they're starting their business and they don't they don't quite know how to get clients because they meet clients but they can't sign a client or they can't um, close that deal or they they can't do this sort of thing. What advice like you know the top three things would you have for them to say hey if you look at these three things and you match these three things or you do these three things you might build more of a relationship with the person that you're trying to sign. <laughs> Well, I think I think number one uh, is that the number one thing in in, in all of this is um, it is it is a hundred percent never about you. It is about the person that you're you're courting in their business. And so when I'm when I'm bringing on a client, or when I'm trying to bring on a client, or when I'm anything I do that involves another person, um, my goal is is to be of service and be in in genuine um, partnership with the individual across from me. So there, there are times, you know, I, I just recently had a conversation with, with one of my consultant clients that, that I, I ended my relationship with them. Um, I, and I said, hey, you know, um, my life is at a point right now where I don't have the, the time or the resources to be of service to you in the way that I need to be. Um, and I think this is probably good that we split that relationship. And, that, you know, we had this conversation. I said, no, I don't want to do that. Why don't you, you know, we'll keep, keep you on. And I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to do that right now. Um, and because I'm of service to them, 
And so I think the number one piece of advice I, I would give is that, you know, if you're not, if you're not able to close that deal with a client, uh, look at, look at what is the motivation behind it right now. And uh, because I would, I would argue that there's probably something they're not seeing the value that you could provide to them. And if I come into the conversation with someone and I'm looking at them and I'm a hundred percent focused on helping them be the best them possible, I don't think about getting the deal. I think about, you know what, these are the things I have at my disposal that I think could be helpful for you. Um, and, and then really tailoring a proposal or a prospect around that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the other thing, you know, Dave, you and I, are, um, I have a background um, in project management and, and, um, and communication. And I think the other piece of advice that I would give is far too often uh, people don't, they don't try to close it, <laughs> you know? Yes. So you have this- Oh my God, you, you are speaking my language. I can't, <laughs> I can't tell you how many conversations I've had when I'm trying to teach sales to people. And yeah. It's like, this is your business and you are afraid to close this. You're afraid yeah. to ask for the business. You know, you don't understand yeah. the value that you're providing yourself. So how can you explain it to someone else? And you're afraid. Yeah. Well, and I think specifically too. So I'm a, I'm a, uh, I was born and raised a Midwesterner. I spent a lot of time on the East Coast. Uh, and there is a different mentality about communication and talking um, on that side of the continent than you have over here. Mm-hmm. And and that's been one of the things I've seen really a lot out in in Oregon, which is this sort of fear to 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 ask for that business uh, from a lot of people. And it's, it's it's so interesting to me because it's like um, you're having a great conversation with somebody. You know that they you have something that they need. You have a skill set. You have a gift. You have whatever it is that they need. A product. A thing is. Um, and one of the hardest things that I think Oregonians have is then to say, hey, this has been a great conversation. If I'm hearing you correctly, I think you need X, Y, and Z. Here are the services I offer. Can we, can we start a partnership together? Uh, and, and a lot of times, if you just start in that round, uh, you're going you're gonna to close that, close that deal, you know, I, w- I would say 50% of the time, just based on asking. Right. Um, I, I completely agree. I, I yeah. love that. <laughs> okay, so we got we got number one be of service. Number two, ask for the sale. What, what's yeah. your next? What's your third tip for us? My third tip, at, again, this is if we're all looking at it from this sort of an immediate level of communication uh, and not long term. Uh, the next the next piece of that that becomes really important is that then um, you communicate back to them sort of what your understanding of the situation is, uh, and and then get their get their agreement that yes, that is what's going on. And then follow it up then immediately after with your, your services and plans that you want to recommend. And so, you know, that's kind of a, a multiple fold thing, right, is, is going into that conversation. My father uh, was an attorney and, and he told me never ask a question you don't know the answer to, you know. And, I, and, and so as you're getting ready to meet with a prospect, understand their business, uh, understand, you know, understand their business and the business they're in. Uh, and understand where you kind of think you fit into that. And I understand that that's difficult if you're meeting somebody for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've developed a series of questions that I like to ask uh, when I meet somebody that that are all tailored to the different types of services I offer. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And so we sit down and I go, okay, well, I'm going to ask you, you know, I don't know your business. Let me ask you a few questions. And I ask those questions. And then from that, that initial kind of five, 10 minute questions I'm asking, I know exactly what it is I can do for them. And I know where their problems lie. 
Um, and so, so then it's a matter of this is what I think you need. And, uh, this is my price price range. Um, and this is what I charge. I mean, I, I, so, you know, it's that kind of double fold thing, which is understand what it is you have to offer them, understand what their needs are, and then be really clear about how you're moving forward with them. Because I think a lot of times, uh, consultants, especially if, if you're a consultant, uh, have a bad rep in terms of like, um, people go, okay, well, yeah, let's work together. And then, and then like the consultant doesn't really, you know, doesn't, doesn't give them a tangible thing. Right. That's hard because you have tangible things, but it's not like a, like, I know I'm going to go and we're going to sit down and do this personality test. (laughs) And from there, I'm going to determine whether I need to have your three top executives take the same test Mm -hmm. and, and do all that. But if you just say, look, there's communication problems. You guys are not communicating well with your top executive staff. Okay, great. I'm going to, bill you, uh, you know, each of the tests take, cost me 20 bucks to buy. And then I got to administer the test. And that's like a two hour process. So you're going to get billed $250 for you and your, your four executives to take this, uh, to take this test with me. Uh, and it's going to help you because you're going to understand how you communicate and how you prefer to do your business and run your life. And you're going to understand then from this meeting, how your top four executives uh, prefer to communicate and run their business. And, and then from there, uh, we can start talking about how we then tailor your communication style, your leadership style to get the most productivity out of your team. So, you know, it's, it's about understanding kind of what it is you can do and how you do it. And then taking that what I can do and, and partnering it with that individual so that they feel like you, they can't live without you. I, I think those are the top three. I love that. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I, I think I think that's amazing because it, it really is. I mean, every, all those three things you just mentioned is something that I've seen my solopreneurs and entrepreneurs struggle with, you, you know, at, at all multiple levels. You know, working working in the fitness industry with gyms and with personal trainers for a long time, you know, just never understanding, you know, because if you've got a, a 26-year-old athlete, and they just are are primed uh, uh, top one percent of humanity with their physical form. Yeah. And and then a, a guy comes in his mid forties, overweight, sedentary lifestyle, doesn't know how to communicate very well, yeah. and, and doesn't understand the what needs to happen, uh, and yeah. it's just a complete mismatch. So until the personal trainer understands what the guy is going through, yeah. you know, if the guy is eating five thousand calories a day, and then the personal trainer says, well, "I'm going to make you a meal plan that's going to be for seven hundred calories a day, and this is all you get." We'll yeah. start. We'll start tomorrow. <laughs> no, <laughs> off of a three-page questionnaire. Uh, yeah. you know, this person should run from this personal trainer quickly. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so, but but a lot of things it's like that kind of style with business, you, you know. And yeah, I don't like to like whenever I I personally I meet with somebody, I don't like to talk about business until uh, I've courted them. Yeah. You know, I, I like to get to know the person. I do a consultation. We get to talking. I figure out who they are, what they're about. And then I think, okay, I can help them with this. I can help with this. With this. I have these five skill sets that will help. Yeah. Then I talk about my skill sets and talk about how I can help them. And I talk about my 30-day plan, my 60-day plan, yeah. my 90-day plan of what I think I could help them with. And then when they look at me, they're like, well, yeah, that's exactly what I'm looking for. When yeah. we get to When we get to that phase... That's when I, I that's when I talk about closing the deal necessarily. Yeah. But you don't want to say, well, hey, you know, my, my rate is a thousand dollars a month. Um, yeah. Sign here, you, right. you know. And, and it's yeah. like, but what do I give for the thousand? Well, don't worry about it. I know what yeah. I'm doing. Just trust me. You know, everybody loves you. Look at my reviews. Yeah, it's exactly. Like the, it's like the worst fucking way to do business. <laughs> it, it drives me insane. Yeah. Um, and and I know coaches that do that. And I'm like, oh, and that was that was part of 
last week, what I talked about in the podcast was there are so many coaches out there that are just offering these prepaid programs, one yeah. size fits all shit. And I hate one size fits all. Yeah. Every, everything that I do is customized. And, and I think that what a good coach is, is customized because you have to know who you're coaching. Am I coaching a 25 year old uh, solopreneur? Am I coaching yeah. a 40 year old manager of 20? Am yeah. I coaching a CEO who runs 500 people in an organization? You yeah. have to coach them differently. And you need to know that and understand their communication style in order to do that. Yep. yep. And I think also, you know, the other piece of it too is you were talking about the gym. So, you know, I got my, I got my start in the business world. There was this point where I transitioned out of being an artist uh, in, into being a business person. And I, I managed uh, a theater, uh, a, a live theater company for about five years. And, you know, I think theater companies have got it figured out in a way that no other business does. And I uh, it's well, hospitals maybe, but um <laughs> there's a two leadership approach in theater. So in a live theater, you generally will have what is called your artistic director. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they are in charge of anything art related. They pick the, the shows that the theater does. They hire the directors. They hire the designers. They are in charge of the artistic side of the production. Uh, and then you hire a, a business manager. Generally, they're either called an, a managing director or executive director or whatever. And they're in charge of running the business. And it's this this... Um, relationship that is very separate in some aspects, but it is walking hand in hand with the other. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it was such an amazing idea to me. Uh, and I'm so lucky that I started off uh, working that way because you have a you you talk about you know you have this uh, sole per, you know, in, individual who has a who's now running a gym. They run they've opened their business and they they have dedicated the first part of their life to being the the peak of physical perfection. Right, it's it's understanding diet, and nutrition, and and your body schedules, and, all, and and the physiology of the human body, and all of these pieces. Right, that doesn't leave room for a business. Yes, background. Yep. And and I do this a lot. I do a lot of people I work with. I work with healthcare a lot, and it's the same thing. It's it's these doctors or these you know um, therapists or these psychologists who have devo- devoted their lives to this very noble cause. Um, but nowhere in there they teach you how to balance your QuickBooks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they don't. They don't teach you how to define clients. They don't teach you all of those things. And so, mm-hmm. um, so I, I got spoiled working in the theater world, which was this kind of great relationship that you got to foster between business and artistic sides of things. And so, you know, I I think as a you were talking about you know working with with gym owners and things like that. I think it's a phenomenal market to be in because it's the same kind of thing. It's these people who have, who have uh, gained so much knowledge and skills in, in this amazingly amazing thing that I could never do. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean they know how to run a business. Right. And so, you know, working, working as a consultant to those organizations is phenomenal. I do, I do a lot with healthcare. Yeah, it, it really is. And it's exactly what you said. That's a lot of what I do is I go in and, and I'm, and if they don't want to learn it, then what I do is like, I have the referrals and I have a huge network of people yeah. and I have a lot of people on my team and I will yep. refer people to them. So I, yeah. I have dedicated people that I work with that I refer to constantly with my clients. Yeah. Um, and it has brought me nothing but success in a lot of ways because it just says, Hey, you know, you need someone to do your QuickBooks. You need to understand how to do this. So I'm going to hook you up with an, uh, I've got two accountants that I work with. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think this one fits your personality. Let's, let's meet with her. You know, we, we go, we talk to her, they, they love it. Then build that. And all of a sudden it takes all that stress off. Yeah. 
you, you know, and it's like, well, here's my box of uh, my shoe box of receipts. I don't know what to do with them here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's actually happened before. And it's crazy. I've had that too. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, mat- matching it up and helping them. And that's what a lot of what we do as consultants is we go in and, um, you know, I, I like to go in and I, I like to analyze and, and just like see what's going on at yeah. first. And, and then I just go in and then I start making recommendations and, and yeah. then I, I help implement the recommendations. And a lot of that is, is just a good way. My, my next question for you, I'm going to put you on the spot here, Uh-oh. is um, I, I've been dealing a lot lately on this program with self-love, uh, personal power, different things like that. Yeah. So how do you identify your own personal um, communication style and how do you make your inner voice talk to it that way? Because that inner voice that, yeah. that freaking rips you apart and when you look yeah. in the mirror and tells you you're a failure when you're this, when you're that, when you're this. How, how do you blend those two? Is there a way that the Lean program works with self-love and, and personal power and self-respect? Well, geez, Dave. <laughs> you're going to watch me emotionally fall apart right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I think that's a really good question. And I... Like, as you were saying it, I got, I started to get like, you know, like my, I started to sweat and go, oh God, do I have a solution? But I think, I think at its core, um, part of the reason I like the concept of lean so much is that there are these two pillars that it, that exist in it. Um, there is, there is the pursuit of perfection. And then there is this piece that says we have to be kind and respectful when we do it. And so, um, so lean is, is I, I used to joke um, when, I, when I teach introductory to lean courses to folks that, you know, if you think of those kind of super cheesy 1990s posters where there's like a, a pickup truck that's broken down on the side of the road and then in the distance, there's this couple walking and it says it's about the journey and not the destination. <laughs> you know, I, like I, I like that's what lean is. Is it's about the journey and not the destination. And so, when we talk about ourselves and and being kind to ourselves, um, the answer that I fall down to, or fall to, fail to, fall to is the is this is that our lives are a journey, uh, and it is about that journey more so than the destination. And so as, as we hit the bumps and the failures and the bruises that life moves us, it's, it's okay to feel hurt and it's okay to feel lost. You have to do it respectfully to yourself. You have to be authentic to yourself. And then you have to understand that um, this is a journey I'm on and this is one stop in the road and I need to get up and move on down the road. Um, and it's hard. I think, you know, it's, it's I, I have been... Um, this is actually an, an, an idea I've been thinking about a lot, a lot lately. Um, you know, I, I kind of equate my life to sort of a sitcom in that it's this series of sort of odd, bizarre things <laughs> that happen. And you just, it's like, what, I, why, why does this like happen to anyone, let alone me on a consistent basis? <laughs> and, you know, it, it, there's, there's a sort of, um, uh, you have to sit, sit there for a minute and, and feel that and feel like, God, I'm, I'm, you know, why does this happen to me? Or why is, why is, uh, why is my life not the way I want it to be? And, and lean would tell us that there is a break in your system and your process and, and that there's nothing wrong with it when there's a problem, that's a good thing because now you found a way to make something better. 
And so if we view every failure, every um, misstep, every uh, thing in our lives that are not, that, that doesn't go the way we want it to as an opportunity to learn and grow from that, uh, then it makes that journey so much more rich and exciting to me. Um, and I know it sounds cliche. And when I say it, I almost want to throw up in my mouth, but, <laughs> but I, but I really do think it like, I, I believe, you know, from a business perspective, I love to see problems because when I see problems, I know we can make things better. Mm-hmm. Um, in lean, we love the, so lean is very visual in terms of its management. So there's a whole section of lean called visual management. And a lot of times green and red are used. So green means it's good. Red means there's a problem. And you have, you have key performance indicators uh, that you track uh, at all levels within an organization and you have goals for those numbers. And if the number stays above that goal, it's green. If it drops below that number, it's red. Um, and as a lean practitioner, I love to see red because that means there's things, there's things there for me to do. Mm-hmm. And so as we move through life and we have those things, those critic, critical voices that, that kind of pop into our head and tell us we're failures or that we're not where we should be, uh, I think it's okay to listen to that voice and say, why am I not where I want to be? How do I need to course correct to get to where I want to be and then course correct and move forward? Mm -hmm. Um, Because for me, um, I don't want to, I don't want to just, I don't always want to be rosy. Like I'm a human. I want to have feelings. I want to feel loss and failure and and different things in my life. But, but then I want to feel them to a point and then say, okay, I felt that. Now, what did I learn from this? And then how do I move forward? Mm-hmm. So I think that's how lean, I think that's how lean would deal with that concept, which is look at it, understand it for what it is and how to make it better. Be kind to yourself as you examine it and realize that you are a valuable person and you have worth in this society and in this world. Um, now, how do I get better? <laughs> no, it, w- wow. I mean, and again, perfect answer because literally w- what you said, you gave me goosebumps <laughs> because, because it's true. And, and I deal with so many people who they, they just, they treat themselves so horribly. They treat themselves with no respect. Yeah. You, you know, it's just like, you know, I, I'm, I'm 30 years old and, and I, I'm a failure. I'm still making $30,000 a year. I don't make enough to support myself. I have to have a roommate. You know, how can I afford a wife? How can I afford to have a, a child? You know, and, and on all these different things. And it's just, it's just wallowing in that and staying in this, I'm a failure, I'm a failure, I'm a failure. Um, is what is a lot of what keeps it down. And instead of recognizing that, hey, let's treat myself with some respect. Mm-hmm. Let's identify the problem and let's try and fix the problem. Let, let's get into some creative problem solving. You know, let's apply, let's apply some of that to this. Um, you know, I come from a family of um, you know, alcoholics. You, mm-hmm. you know, I have a, a very large amount of my family was alcoholics when I was growing up. Um, and, and it was horrible, but that was their coping skills. Yeah. I, was very, I was very fortunate that, that my mother and my sister and I we don't drink a lot of it is because we we saw the hurt that it causes for a family yeah but our coping skills are like incredible with a lot of ways and we all three of us are problem solvers yeah um and and it's hysterical and and pete is the same way pete is such a huge problem solver so so when the two of us get together we're trying to problem solve something uh it's i think i said it on an episode maybe three episodes ago i was talking about anger Mm -hmm. is i love anger yeah because, because anger is a trigger yeah. Okay. So you use anger, you get pissed about something and then you change it, you make it right, you make it go away. And then yeah. you come back to your, your base, you come back to your neutral, you come mm-hmm. back to joy. But if you stay in that anger, 
yeah. Then, then that's where your life is going to go downhill from there because you're oh, yeah. literally just staying instead of using it as a trigger, you're staying there. And a lot of times when, when we're dealing with self-love and we're tr trying to communicate to ourselves, I love what you said of identify what's red and then change it, make that change. Yeah. And, and I think that was a beautiful thing that you said. So, so I do appreciate that. And I appreciate you sharing that with us. Thank you. What, uh, what are some of the other ways? So you're also a dad. Yeah. Okay, so how do you apply this to your children? Because that, I think, like from what I've seen of you and in our interaction together, you're a pretty amazing dad because you're 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 tolerant yet you do offer the discipline. And I've seen your children interact with you to where they're very respectful. How do you apply that kind of communication style to a child when they're not fully developed? Well, I think you know, I think there's a couple of things. Um, my wife and I. Uh, both had a conversation kind of when she was pregnant with our first daughter, which was um, I grew up in a home where uh, I was uh, allowed to ask questions. I was allowed to disagree with my parents as long as it kind of fell within a certain parameter. Um, you know, and, and, and that parameter varied depending upon what it was, but, but, you know, we had a lot of dialogue kind of growing up um, my mother and I, especially. Um, and my wife did not grow up in that, environment so much um and so when we were talking about what we wanted to do with our kids and as we became parents and what that meant to us was number one we always wanted to kind of treat our kids as people you know I, and i that sounds like a silly thing to say but but you know I, I think a lot of times parents don't view their children as people they they view them as these things and they're not they're little people they they may not fully understand the world around them they may not have a concept of things like i got a bill to pay or i can't play right now because i've got to do x y or z um but they're still people and so first off it was just that which was just sort of allowing them to have a voice in anything that involved them and then uh the other piece of it was we we do a lot around here to be respectful. And there's a lot of conversation about sort of, do I, you know, it, when my kids do something that I find disrespectful, you know, I may get, I may do the knee jerk, go to your room. Um, but relatively quickly, uh, the business person in me goes, that's the wrong answer. Go talk to him. <laughs> but then I do, you know, and we had that conversation is, which is, what do I treat you that way? No. Well, why do, why do you, why is it okay for you to treat me that way? And so we do a lot of talking with our kids and we tend to be pretty um, honest with them. And, and we've had, you know, we argue in front of them and not in an aggressive, mean, awful way, but, but I think it's important that our kids see at an early age um, that, that number one, our parents, their parents are people and that we view them as people and that we are all on this journey together growing and trying to figure out what is right. And so I think for us, communication is again, just about understanding what's important to them, framing the conversation in a way that they understand it and then helping them make those decisions. You know, there's this shocking thing I read um, where they said the human brain does not fully develop until a person is in their mid twenties, um, 25, 26 years old. And, and so the thing that's so, so astonishing to me when I think about that is the way our society is set up by the time someone is in their mid twenties, more than likely, not only have they made decisions about what their career is, many people have invested tens of hundreds of thousands of dollars in a career, you know, in an education chosen their life mate, probably uh, have had, you know, one or two kids by that point. 
by the point their brains are fully formed. And that is terrifying to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, um, when we talk with our kids, we are, we understand that they're um, not where we are now because they've not, in my case, they haven't had 40 plus years of bad decision-making to fall back <laughs> on um, like I do, but, right. but it, but it's that sort of understanding that, that the decisions you are making today will have impact on your life 10 years from now. And it doesn't seem like it because, because your brain hasn't gotten to the point where it understands that concept. Um, but it, it is, you know, that's I, I, a bit of a tangent here, but I always think it's really funny when people uh, are, you know, our age uh, complain about what people put, po- what kids today post on social media. Um, you know, I, I, there was a, the, a guy I grew up with. We went to uh, high school and college together and, and did stupid things together. And on one, on, on his Facebook page, uh, a few months ago, he um, he he was making fun of some kids for posting something stupid on on on, on Instagram and saying well, how dumb these kids are, and and I I said hey it's blank I won't say his name I was like I seem to remember uh, several evenings where you were sticking your bear behind out a car window, <laughs> going down the highway at ninety miles an hour, mooning people because you thought it was funny. You are lucky that that Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and Twitch and all those things didn't exist then, because I promise you, if you hadn't put them on there, I would have. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. That's absolutely true. (laughs) So, so it's it's that conversation, right? Which is, is you you right now are at this point in your life, and this is where you understand, and this is what your level of connection is. But the behavior you're doing today is going to impact you tomorrow. And it's my job as your dad, above all other things, to help you become um, the person you're going to become. And so that that tries to be what we try to do. And I'm sure my oldest daughter is roaming around the house and listening to this. And as soon as we get off of here, she is going to be like, are you serious? serious? (laughs) You just sat there and lied to all those people. Come on. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, it's that same thing. It's keeping it real. Yeah. Right. No. And and I think, I think that's been the overall theme tonight has just been, you know, show yourself respect, show your team respect, show your boss respect, show your spouse respect, show your kids respect. And, And sometimes it's so hard because in today's society, it's just, you know, the ego just, just gets in the way. Yeah, you know, and, and, you know, people don't understand the true strength of vulnerability. And I talk vulnerability a lot and everybody's just like, oh yeah, vulnerability is such strength day. Woohoo. You know, and it's like, they make fun of me. Um, And and then as soon as they become vulnerable and as soon as they have that first interaction with vulnerability, they're like, oh, this is what he's been yelling at me about for a year. I get it now. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I've gotten random texts at, at, at different times of day sometimes of like, okay, I understand what you're saying now. Yeah. Um, you know, so stuff like that. So, so I love that kind of stuff, but, 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 but I, I love the respect and, and man, David, it has been such a pleasure having you tonight. I mean, yeah, thank you. seriously, thank you. So if any listeners want to get a hold of you and talk to you about coaching or lean or anything like that, how, how would they get a hold of you? So I, uh, I am for, uh, fortunate or unfortunate enough. I don't know the answer uh, to not have a any kind of like official uh, website. Most of what I do now at this point is, is through referral. Um, so they're your, your folks, if they have questions or concepts, or even want to just tell me how dumb I was uh, with my ideas, <laughs> uh, they are always welcome to reach out to me uh, via email through david.mort, M-O-R-T at gmail.com. Reach me there. Okay. Or uh, if they want another social media that I, I, run around on his Instagram. 
if they follow me on Instagram, they are going to see just the artistic side of me as a person. <laughs> uh, talked about puppets at the beginning of the evening. Uh, there's a lot of puppets on there. Uh, there is a lot of, uh, uh, I like to, I have a 3d printer. I print, uh, stuff and I like to, I like to paint like that's miniatures awesome. and buildings and stuff. So they can follow me on there. And that's just David Mort, uh, on okay. Instagram. Okay, and, cool. and, and I'll put that in the show notes for cool. tonight, but, but seriously, it, it, it's amazing. One thing I would like to say though, is, um, just for you is having a, a referral based business and having yeah. a, having a business that is referral based that you can lean on. Um, that's impressive. And, and I'm the same way, you yeah. know, I, I, I rarely spend money on advertising. I mean, it is such a rare thing. One is because I like, like we were talking about earlier, I don't know how to market some, t- some things, you know, like I go in and I'm like, well, I don't, it changes so quickly nowadays. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, what you could spend a hundred dollars on, it could be a complete waste. Right. So for me, I've, I've always been self-sustaining with referral based relationships. And, and that's one of the nicest thing that, that I love about this industry is it is very referral based. Yeah. You know, e- even while I've been sitting here on the, on this podcast, I've gotten two texts that have popped up on my phone. It's like, Hey Dave, I want to refer somebody to you. That's and awesome. I'm sitting, as I'm sitting here seeing that pop up on my phone and then you're talking about it. So, you know, if you are a solopreneur <laughs> and you are an entrepreneur, always remember that referrals really, really are, are your bread and butter. So, so yeah. always, always remember that. So how you treat your clients, how you treat your customers, is, is a very big deal. Yep. David, thank you. Thank, thank you so you. much. I mean, this, this was amazing. Uh, for those of you who want to get a hold of me, um, hey, Oregon is in lockdown right now. We started today. Mm-hmm. So if you if you are running a business uh, or you are having some, some issues with your job right now and you don't know what to do, you don't know how to, how to keep the ground going, you feel like you have to close your doors, I want you to reach out to me. Uh, I want you to DM me. Uh, you can email me at dave at daveshepconsulting.com. Uh, I'm going to be giving I'm giving away free hours of consultations or, or, or free coaching sessions for this. So if you've been affected by this, I want you to reach out to me. I'm very good at monetizing your passion. I'm very good at helping you think about your business differently. So I don't want you to close your doors. I don't want you to lose your business. And I don't want you to struggle uh, if I can help. So I'm dead serious about this. Just reach out to me and I'll give you a free hour. I'll send you my calendar link. Uh, You can schedule time with me because we are all in this together and we need to make sure that we're helping each other. Um, I had some pretty serious conversations with people yesterday who were just terrified of what the the next two weeks or six weeks are going to be here in Oregon. Um, And if your state's been affected by these close downs um, and you need help figuring out how to to course correct your business in order to make money, uh, please reach out to me. And I'm dead serious about that. So thank you so much. This was great for episode nine. Great for my first guest. Oh my gosh. It's so great not to have to talk the whole hour and sit here with my, with like, what do I talk about next? You know, <laughs> well, thank and, you for and, having and me. then I did, I did some show notes the other day and I was actually kind of pissed because like I say, you know, you know, and I said it like 30 times in one, like one session of a half hour session. I was like, you know, you know, and I'm sitting there going, oh my God, I sound so stupid. How does anybody even listen to my podcast? You know, so it's funny. So guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you, David, for being here. It was amazing. Thank you for having me. Yeah.